baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Seven WTIC News Talk 1080 Will Marotti shows your host Will Marotti, Matt Sorois, our master of ceremonies. I want to just give a shout out to the Amen Choir today. You can send your amens in every day uh, after we pray at 9/11. You're on uh, social media: Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, and uh, same address all all four of those accounts at Will Marotti. I want to say thanks to Carol Carol L, Gigi, Michelle F, Veronica. Mark M, Lynn K, Eric S, Chris B, Carol J, Rhonda T, Quigway F, Orlando T, Elaine P, Carol C, Joe, Joseph P, Dean L, and the mysterious Twitter person MBD. Those are all the amens today. Thank you very much. Uh, As I mentioned earlier, we're going to ask Steve Bucci about couple things right off the bat we think about this hypersonic missile situation and uh and then also are are, is there any reality any truth coming from putin's side talking about a ceasefire a a de-escalation i i think he's just just trying to buy time so he can kill more civilians and blow up civilian targets but you know call me skeptical but Anyway, joining us, uh, tremendous experience, 30 years in the military, most of that time spent with Special Forces, um, Pentagon, West Point graduate, War College, now a, a fellow with the Heritage Foundation. We're always wel- happy to welcome Steve Bucci back to the program. Good morning, Steve. Good morning, Pastor. How are you this morning? Good, sir. Better than I deserve. Hope you had a good weekend. We did. We had a good one indeed. So uh, the war continues. I don't think anyone thought, certainly Vladimir Putin never thought, that this, this war would go on this long. I thought they figured this was going to be a, a slam dunk in a couple of weeks and they'd be cleaning things up, and, and they're in for, obviously, a rude awakening. But the news broke over the weekend that uh, allegedly, for the first time in an actual combat situation, Russia used a hypersonic weapon. And uh, I, I was watching uh, the news and look, listening to se- several, you know, like yourself, military commentators. They all seemed to think that it was true that Russia, Russia possessed a hypersonic weapon, but not like a, a stockpile of them, a few of them. But in any point, uh, in anywhere, this is a difficult missile to fight, isn't it? Uh, it is. They're, they're harder to shoot down with the capabilities we have today. Our anti-missile systems are designed to shoot slower missiles than that, 
Mm-hmm. So, you know, we've got to, you got to put different software. It's got to have different uh, response capabilities. Uh, so when the Russians announced this a while back when they did a test, we, uh, you know, our folks were trying to get hypersonic missiles. We know the Chinese are flirting with them, the Russians. So this, this is not like a gigantic breakthrough, change the whole uh, tone of warfare kind of invention it's it's a product improvement uh and Mm -hmm. one you know we'd rather we had the product improvements not the bad guys (laughs) but uh you know the fact that they used it here not surprising because their other stuff's not working very well yeah and they it's been kind of embarrassing for russia to face up to the fact that you know very lightly armed uh, folks who have not really gotten anything too new for a long time has been, you know, doing a job on them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they're trying this and announcing it, making it very public. Uh, they've hinted at using chemical weapons. They've hinted at using tactical nuclear weapons. These are all capabilities we know they have, Pastor, but are they going to use those other ones? Uh, we don't know. Are, you know, how important is the hypersonic missile? To be honest with you, I don't think it's that big a deal. Okay. We're not shooting down their old-fashioned missiles right now because <laughs> the Ukrainians don't have those kind of systems. Them using a hypersonic one uh, is more messaging outside of Ukraine than yeah. inside. I don't think it's that significant. I think it's an indicator that Putin is getting worried that people are not as intimidated by him as he'd like them to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I'm reading from this AP story, and again, who knows what to believe, but the AP, AP report says that uh, American military is, is now accelerating development to try to catch up. I mean, we're like that in the space program. We started out behind the Russians in the space program. We, we, we caught up to them and, and far outseeded, uh, exceeded them and passed them out in, in a relatively short amount of time. I wonder if the same thing is possible here. Uh, Most definitely possible uh, and probably likely. It kind of depends on how much money the Biden administration is willing to throw at the problem. Uh, You know, both Russia and China, neither of them has invented much of anything. They steal it from us, In the last (laughs) 50 or 60 years, you know, they steal a lot of stuff. They tinker with it. They got smart folks, but their, their systems are not designed for the kind of cutting-edge innovation that is sort of our meat and potatoes. Mm -hmm. Uh, So the fact that they've gotten something like this means they took a bunch of stuff they stole from us, they put it together or or found some additional secret sauce somewhere Mm -hmm. and developed this. Mm -hmm. Well, we're going to look for whatever secret sauce they have. We're going to take it and we're going to you know, dump a bunch of steroids on it, and it's mm-hmm. going to be an awful lot better than what they have. So mm-hmm. uh, I'm never terribly worried when they do something like this. Mm-hmm. It's it's actually somewhat positive for us because it gets us out of our complacency mm-hmm. and gets us moving again. But nobody innovates like the United States of America. And I'm not sound, trying to sound jingoistic. No, it's, it's true. A it's fact. true. Mm-hmm. And, no. and, you know, we need to recognize that and stop wringing our hands and clutching our pearls as we swoon and say, okay, they got something here. Well, we got a lot of stuff too. And, and we had this conversation mm-hmm. reference cyber, 
Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, that everybody's, oh, my gosh, the Russians, but they might cyber attack us. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, the Russians are good. They're not anywhere near as good as us. Yeah, and better. we're way yeah. better yeah. defensively than they are. So uh, they understand that if they really crank that stuff up and it gets beyond just the stealing of intellectual property and that sort of thing, we can hammer them. We can hammer them kinetically, but we can also hammer them with straight-up cyber and they are a lot closer to the Stone Age than we are to start with. Uh, and they can get there a lot faster if they do anything that's, you know, too untold. Mm-hmm. I'm, I, we're talking with Steve Bucci from the Heritage Foundation. I'm wondering, too, uh, when we start talking about intercontinental ballistic missiles, those travel at a pretty high rate of speed. They uh, either, I guess they either touch or can touch or actually not go into space, but they can, they can ride the, uh, the boundary of space. And uh, we, we have a hard time shooting down, those down as well, right? We don't, we don't have great systems for that yet, either side. Any uh, side. Well, we, we actually do. We, we, have, we can shoot down their missiles as they go up. We can have a different system that shoots them down as they're doing their, you know, out in space kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Those are real interesting because they don't really blow up. They just send a big, hard chunk of metal going really fast into it. And it's like a bullet hitting a bullet, mm-hmm. and it just obliterates the things because they're all going so fast. Mm-hmm. And then we have other systems that could shoot them down as they come back through the atmosphere towards their targets. Mm-hmm. Now, with somebody like Russia or China, the issue is they got a lot of them. The yeah. Russians have a lot more than the Chinese do. Mm-hmm. Our missile defense systems are not so robust that we have enough uh, interceptors that we can get. If they shot everything they had all at once, yeah, that they would overwhelm our defenses, uh, and in the same way we could totally obliterate their defenses. Right. Uh, but our, our missile defense systems are actually aimed at countries like Iran and North Korea, mm-hmm. which is something we've told the Russians for a long time, uh, because you know there we figure it's going to be one, two, three uh, missiles coming mm-hmm. at us, and our systems can handle that. Mm-hmm. The the big overwhelming you know Doctor Strange love mm. you know thousands of missiles in the air simultaneously you can't defend against that nobody has enough to do it. So do you, are you, is it is it reasonable to think that we're uh, maybe re uh, repositioning our defense lookout to to Russia at this point in time because of the the instability in Ukraine? Uh, we don't really have to. Uh, the, those systems are, are situated in such a way, and particularly the intercontinental ballistic stuff mm-hmm. uh, is situated. You, you're talking about shooting up into the atmosphere. They're, they're not localized weapons, really. Oh, so okay. Uh, okay. there's not a lot of repositioning that has to okay. be done. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just a matter of accepting that if, if Russia suddenly went completely loony and decided to, you know, say the heck with mutual assured destruction, we're just going to shoot off our stuff and then die in the big blip when America shoots back. Uh, we, we wouldn't have to move anything. And we would use those systems to shoot down as many of their missiles as we could, mm-hmm. uh, particularly those you know aimed at like our big cities, that sort of thing. Uh, that's where those, the, the protective umbrella, if you will, to use the metaphor, 
uh, is the thickest is over our big population centers because mm-hmm. uh, we want to minimize the amount of, of enemy um, missiles that get in. Uh, but it's, again, I'm, I'm being straight with folks. We don't have enough missile defense stuff to stop that full Dr. Strangelove scenario. Uh, we're also hoping that that will never happen. Right. Uh, and, right. you know, that's that's sort of the, what we've operated on for a long time. Is well, that it's mu- mutual, that it was the assurance of mutual destruction, right? You're, yeah, you're, you want your enemy to be fearful of the fact that if they try to destroy you, you're going to destroy them. Right. And and it's it sounds crazy, but we'll destroy a lot more of them than they would destroy of us. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's because even though they have a few more missiles than we do, mm-hmm. even under the arms control agreements, ours are much more precise uh, and much more... Um, I don't know, higher quality, I guess, mm-hmm. the simplest way to put and it. probably not as old. I mean, I bet you some of those Russian missiles are, are Cold War era. Oh, yeah, most definitely. And, and who knows if they're serviced, who knows if they can even, even launch at an appropriate time. Let me ask you another question. I had a, I shared this with our staff the other day. I want to make sure I'm right what I said. I said, you know, here in Connecticut, if, 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 we, if, there, if there was an, a fairly, you know, not all out, but close to all out nuclear war, I'm sure Connecticut would be targeted because of places like our Pratt-Whitney facility, uh, Sikorsky aircraft, and more importantly, the, the naval shipyard in Groton, the submarine base. Um, is it, would you say that that's still true, that Connecticut would be a, a fairly high on the list target zone? Uh, it, it would be on the target list, not sure exactly where. Uh, mm-hmm. The other aspect you need to be concerned about is because the Russian stuff is not that precise, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of it that would be coming at us would be those older varieties that kind of like aim at a continent. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, and but they would be aiming at the population centers there on the East Coast. Right. And if it, you know, veered a little bit to the north or a little bit to the south, you know, you guys are in between two major population centers right. there in the east coast megalopolis mm-hmm. uh so yeah there's, there's a danger that uh you you could be hit either intentionally or unintentionally mm-hmm. and and do you think the fact that we have the sub-base in Groton, is that a does that move us higher on the list if if, if you could if you could make that make that uh analogy um I, I would say yes. That, that that would be a high priority target for an enemy like the Soviet Union or like Russia. Sorry, mm. showing my age. Yeah. <laughs> uh, for the the Russians, uh, yeah. because they do fear our subs. Yeah. That is one aspect that we have, even though they have a lot of them. Ours are way better. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And and that scares them because they can't really track ours, and uh, the especially the boomers, the the ones that carry the nukes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, they, if they could get them in port and there's always at least some of them in port getting sure. refitted and, and mm-hmm. doing maintenance. Uh, so yeah, they, that would be a, a higher priority target than a lot of other places. And, and do we still have more and better when we're talking about submarines, do we still have more and better than China? Uh, we don't have more. Uh, we definitely have better, mm-hmm. uh, the, the Chinese on any given day. Uh, you know, when you figure we've got we got to put boats out everywhere uh, and, you know, we have some that are back for maintenance and others that have just come off of their cruises. 
so uh, you know, there's there's a restricted number in in and around China, let's say, on any mm-hmm. given day, uh, and the Chinese can leave all of their stuff in that region. Mm-hmm. Uh, and several of my colleagues at Heritage have done the analysis on this, and it basically comes out that for submarines, helicopters, airplanes, that sort of thing, when you look at it locally on any given day, the Chinese have us about ten to one. <laughs> in in numbers, you know, not now when you throw the quality part into it, I've heard a lot of people say, well, but, you know, our stuff is way better. And I agree with that. But I told myself, well, even if you assume our stuff is 10 times better than theirs, yeah. which in some cases it is, mm-hmm. uh, that means it's a fair fight. Yeah. We and, don't like fair and fights. we don't like fair fights. No, no. You know, we, we like to have overwhelming dominance. Uh, and, and this is the argument we make at Heritage all the time on why we still need to be investing in our mm-hmm. military in keeping both the quality and, to a degree, the quantity up sufficiently because we actually have to patrol the whole world. Uh, these countries that are mm. our adversaries mm. have very limited areas that they, they have to uh, concentrate their combat power, mm-hmm. and ours is kind of spread out. And the other thing is we actually like give our people time off. Mm. Some of these other forces don't don't have quite the same rules. You know, they don't say, oh, but you kept Johnny at sea for more than his six months. That's not fair. I'm going to write to my congressman. That doesn't happen in China. Yeah, right. You uh, get thrown Russia. in jail or killed, either uh, one. Hey, one, yeah, one exactly. last question, Steve. One last question. We've we're, we're got to run along here. Um, so I'm imagining that, as you said, there's always, you know, some ships in port for whatever reason. Uh, coming off a, a, a mission, uh, upfitting, repairs, whatever. How long, if, if you can speak to this, how long ballpark would it take for a submarine that's in port to be you know, made ready to go underway and get back out there, do you suppose? Uh, it, it depends on what they're doing to it. If it's Let's say not, not a major repair. It came off of a, yeah. came off of a, a mission, and now it's, it's there. How long would it take to get the guys back on the boat and get it out there? You think uh, it could, they could do it in, in a, a day or two uh, if they're just staying locally. They haven't sent everybody home on leave, that sort yeah, of thing. Yeah. Uh, they could get them underway and, and out to sea. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if they've taken parts off of it, it's a crapshoot. It could be, you know, anywhere from days to weeks, weeks or months, right, right. depending on what they have to put back together. Yeah, particularly for uh, buying the parts so, from China, right? <laughs> Yeah, well, we hope not, not on that stuff. Uh, but, yeah, that's the kind of thinking they have to do. And remember, we hardly ever get fooled 100%. You know, we, we yeah. work really hard not to allow another Pearl Harbor where we're like, gosh, we didn't know they were going to do that. Uh, so we're watching them all the time for indicators, and that's why we have the different uh, DEFCON levels right. that we increase when mm-hmm. – tensions rise or people start moving things around, we start calling the, the troops back and say, hey, yeah, your leave's over, start heading back in this direction uh, so that we can cut down that quick turnaround time as much as possible. Right, right. Okay, always informative and always a pleasure. Steve Bucci from the Heritage Foundation, thank you so much for coming back on the program. It's always my pleasure, Pastor. Thank you for having me. Okay, hopefully we'll talk to you next week. Thank you. Yep. All right. Uh, take a break. Commercials, 800-966-9842, 860-522-9842. Uh, I, I love 
talking to Steve Bucci because I learn something every time uh, he's on, and I I appreciate learning, and I, and I like to get the information. I hope you do too. All right, stay with us. We'll be right back. Will Marotti Show, WTIC News Talk, 1080. Back to the Will Marotti Show on WTIC News Talk, 1080. Really? Welcome back, 1038. After the next break, we'll be setting up for the Between Rounds Bagel. Last caller of the day. It's a Monday already. Wow. Um, Here's a bit of an issue that people have talked about over the years, but it's really starting to make an impact. China, I I can't say this with, with great confidence, but I can say that I think China is not as 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 Vladimir Putin and Russia are proving they're not as bad as they think they are, at least as bad as we thought they were. Uh, I think China's not nearly as formidable as we think they are either. And here's why: there's a big problem in the number of marriages in China now hitting an all-time low. Uh, the Ministry of Civil Affairs on Friday said that there were 7.63 million marriages in 2021, the lowest total since 1986 when they started recording these records. Don't forget, this is this is a country out of the Stone Age in a lot of ways. Compare that with more than 8 million marriages in 2020 and a peak of 13.4 million marriages in 2013. According to independent analysis, the number of marriages per 1,000 people in China was uh, 5.41 compared to 9.88 in 2013. Now, of course, China puts the spin on it. And the spin is, well, as education and economic independence levels increase, the percentage of women who are single is increasing. That's China's spin on it. But there's a reality to it. And the reality is ever since they started the one-child policy in the 80s, where literally if you were a couple in China, you were limited to one child. You were either given as an option abortion or forced sterilization. And uh, they aborted many, many female babies. So since the one-child policy was introduced in the 80s, birth rates for males have been significantly higher than females. For example, there's about 220 million Gen Z people in um, China. They were Those are people born between 1995 and 2010. Males outnumbering females, 18 million. Now, the one-child policy was changed to two children in 2015. And then China started realizing, oh, ruh-roh, the problem here. So they raised it to two children in 2015, and last year they raised it to three children. But the fact of the matter is there's just not as many men to wear. wear. And and I don't know that, that the LGBTQ community is LGBTQ community is all that prominent in China. I know it's not in Russia. 
So number of births is on the decline for the fifth consecutive year. Birth rate is down in China. That makes sense because there's less women in childbearing uh, potential. And uh, the child rate dropped, oh, my gosh, from 1.77 in 2016 to 1.15 last year. And I've read and have been told that it's almost impossible to maintain a culture long term if your birth rate is less than 2.0. And they were at 1.15. What does that mean? It means you're not, you don't have people to be workers. Worker replenishment cuts down. People die off. You're not replacing them. So China has a long-term structural problem in terms of birth, birth rate, in terms of marriages, terms of population i mean they're still massive don't get me wrong they're still gigantic but over time that's gonna that's gonna decline 800-966-9842-860-522-9842 the numbers um and we'll set up after the next break for the between rounds bagel last call of the of the day let's go to a new britain and andrew andrew welcome to the show hi pastor thanks for taking my call uh, i was just thinking of some of the things that steve bucci set up one one real quick one um, is uh, submarines um, have like an A crew and a B crew. Yeah. Um, well, they well they used to ever since you know co-president Obama and Biden uh, have gotten in. You know, they're I don't know everything's different, but it, you, you know you know you know it used to be like one you know one crew would would uh, disembark. You know they'd put in the new spark plugs and change the oil, you know, and the B crew yeah, would yeah. take it, take it out to sea again for another six months. Uh, and regarding um, hypersonic missiles, uh, I think, I think the big news there is uh, our aircraft carriers uh, are, uh, are off the board. Uh, you know, they're, they're, if they can, if they can deploy a, uh, a higher, a hypersonic missile, you know, within range of, of their shores, or if they are capable of uh, of sea launching, uh, one of those, mm-hmm. uh, you, you know, those, those, you know, those those, those carriers are, are 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 there's no way to protect them. Yeah. You, you know, you you'd have to ring them with battleships. Maybe would yeah. be the yeah. would, would be the only only the only thing you could do. Um, you know, and that that completely, you know, changes the uh, U.S. Uh, projection of of naval power, mm-hmm. you know, if, if you know, if not power in general, uh, across you know across the board. So, uh, well, the good news about carriers is we have a lot of carriers, more than more than Russia, way more than China. Uh, we may be down in submarine count, but we're way ahead on on aircraft carrier yeah. count. But but yeah. still, yeah, I mean, it, it's a it's a weapon to be considered, and 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 that's why the U.S. is ramping up. Its own uh, research and production of, of hypersonic missiles. So, exactly. Andrew, thank you for your um, call. I appreciate it. Uh, always a pleasure. Thank you. 800 966 9842 860 You can bring any topic you'd like or things that we've already spoken about today. Certainly, um, this I, I think this China story is gigantic because it's really going to cripple their ability to move forward in the future. Um, and then I saw this this morning and I, and I, and it caught my eye because I know it's true. You realize like all the Hallmark movies, they come, 
unbelievable number of Hallmark movies that come out. You, you maybe you know this or you don't know this, that Hallmark makes very few of those movies. Most of those movies are contracted out to, to smaller production companies who make the movies and then Hallmark markets the movies and plays them on their, 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 their air. I know this because we have a, a member of the family who works for Hallmark and, and we understand how it works. Well, despite this, uh, this from ctnewsjunkie.com, despite the warm March weather, the halls of the Connecticut State Capitol were decked with holly and festive red bows on Friday for a Hallmark Christmas movie, which will film its scenes in historic buildings on Friday and Saturday. The film is called The Ghost of Christmas Always. It's being produced by a Rocky Hill-based production company called Synthetic Cin- Cinema International. The movie is an updated riff on A Christmas Carol, and the production has been filming around Hartford and West Hartford all month. While details about the movie uh, were not included in the press release and are being kept under wraps, West Hartford Public Relations Specialist Renee McHugh provided the following synopsis. Catherine Marley is spending <laughs> Marley. Catherine Marley is spending her afterlife working in the Department of Restoring Christmas Spirit as a ghost of Christmas present. She loves her job visiting Earth every Christmas to help one unsuspecting soul rediscover the Christmas spirit. But this year, something unusual is in store for her. Her assignment is a man named Peter. And not only is, is, is it difficult to be sure why they're scrooging him, but there's also an issue that Peter and Catherine just might be fated for each other. If fate were a real thing, which it's not, right? Ghosts of Christmas always takes us behind the curtain and allows us to experience the magical Christmas carol from ghost from the ghost perspective while charming us with romance romance for the ages. Anyway, so they're they're filming this movie in Hartford. It'll be out probably, I don't know, November. Um uh, no, 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 no. that movie was period uh, doesn't uh doesn't say exactly when it's coming out but uh, that that happens a lot and there and there have been other other movies filmed in Connecticut other Hallmark movies that are filmed in Connecticut again and not Hallmark that's filming them but other other production companies small production companies and in this case um the uh the company uh is Synthetic Cinema International uh here in in, in Rocky Hill it's pretty cool i i think it's kind of neat so you never know when you're watching a Hallmark movie. Was that filmed in Connecticut? Sometimes it's very obvious because you can see landmarks or they actually say it. They'll they'll talk about it in the script. Um, other, others not quite as obvious, but this will be obvious because you'll see the capital uh, involved in some of the uh, some of the scenes. All right, let's take a break, and uh, we'll get a couple commercials, and then when we come back, we'll set up for the last caller between rounds. Bagels, last caller of the day, 800-966-9842-860. 522-9842. Stay with us. Give us a call. We'd love to get those bagels in your hand, in your stomach is where you want to get them eventually. Uh, stay tuned. We'll be right back. This is the Will Marotti Show on WTIC News Talk 1080. All right. Welcome back. Uh, 1051 WTIC News Talk 1080. Um, you know, it seems like it would be a, a no-brainer for the Biden administration to ramp up or facilitate at least ramping up oil production in the United States. You notice the prices are stabilizing, approaching, dropping down to near near four dollars a gallon. Um, 
And that's because the speculators are not as fearful as a supply problem with oil. That's the only reason that's happening. Um, but you would think, I mean, if, if they... Uh, I hate to break it down so simply, but if, if, if the Biden people loved the country, loved the Americans, wouldn't they want to do everything they could to help ease the pain and pressure that Americans are feeling, particularly at the, at the, at the gas pump. And that could be done very easily by Biden reduce, re- reversing his anti-energy policies that he, that he established when he first came into office. And that would, more than anything, would, would drop prices. I bet you, I bet you within a week of, he, of him, if he announced this, that he was going to, as he did now, already going to renew the leasing program, for, for new uh, permits for drilling. He's already announced that. Uh, if he would announce, particularly on the opening up construction again on the Keystone XL pipeline from Canada, if he just did those things alone and there was a general sense that he wanted us to be, a, at least for now, energy independent, I guarantee the price would be back to $3 in a week, two weeks, m- most, two weeks most, probably not a week. But he won't do that. He won't do that because he's he's held just just as as he's compromised by the Chinese and and even people within Ukraine because of the fact of Hunter taking so much money. Uh, he's he's held hostage by the 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 climate, the extreme climate folks, the green people. <laughs> so it's it's hard it's hard to get out from that. All right, eight hundred nine six six nine eight four two eight six zero. Five two two nine eight four two. Couple open phone lines. Like to see that filled before we move any farther into last caller of the day. Also, uh, we're talk more about this tomorrow. I, I put threw this out last week. Another listener luncheon. Where would we have it? When would we have it? Would you be there? Now, somebody sent me on on Twitter and said that they they felt it was too soon, too soon after COVID to do something like that. I. I don't think so, but again, I'm not. I'm not as worried or fearful about COVID as other people are, and I understand that. Um, but would you would you be interested in having another luncheon? We've done it. We went to Shady Glen for the first one. Remember that? Fantastic Shady Glen mansion. Then we went to Cromwell Diner for the second one. Now again, this is all pre-COVID when we did these things, and again, it was a year ago this month. How time flies when you have a it was a year ago this month that I had left the show to focus more energy on my church family. Things are definitely coming back, recovering there much, much better than even a year ago. Got some room to grow. We're not, we're not there yet, but we're making great progress. And we had a great, great service yesterday. So, so it, things are, I think things are back normal. I think COVID's in our rearview mirror for whatever it's worth. I'm not a doctor. I don't pretend to be one. Uh, but we'd like to we'd like to consider a, a listener luncheon and and a location. So you can you can uh, either send that into social media. You can email me at wilmrati at yahoo dot com, or you can um, you can call. So uh, between rounds, if you're the last caller of the day, you get a dozen bagels for six months, courtesy of Between Rounds Bagel Deli and Bakery in Manchester, uh, South Windsor, Vernon and Talon, and let's see oh we just happen to have a vernon caller 
<laughs> Craig, welcome to the show and congratulations. You are the winner of the Between Rounds Bagel Last Caller of the Day. Oh, thank you. Thanks for taking my call, Pastor Will. Yes, sir. What's on your mind? The question I have, it isn't something that you've um, you've talked about this morning, but okay. I, as um, someone has, who has a daughter that is um, graduating from college soon, mm-hmm. and a few years ago, we toured a bunch of, um, she's a great student, we, t- we toured a bunch of uh, great colleges and universities, and I couldn't help but noticing how many, uh, it appears, um, residents from China are attending our schools. Yeah. And I don't think it's something that this isn't racist or anything. I think it it just, it is what it is. You can tell they're Chinese. They're not Japanese, Korean, um, but our universities are loaded with Chinese students. Why are we doing this? If, if China is a threat to the country, why are we filling the best schools, our best universities with Chinese students? Um, well, two things. Number one, I don't, I don't have a direct answer for that, but I'm going to check it out. Number one. Number two, we, I, I, we don't know how, what percentage of these people are Chinese Americans actually living here, you know, that, that, that are citizens. And uh, the fact of the matter is Chinese are very industrial people. They're very smart, hardworking, as, as, as are all people. But for some reason, the, the folks, in, 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 and certainly just not just Chinese, but Asian across the board, very, very accomplished. And yeah, um, I, and I don't I know why that is, Craig. I don't I don't really have an answer for it. I can tell you this: that uh, we have on staff here at our church, um, uh, our children's ministry director is is from she's a U.S. citizen, but she was born in China, and uh, one of, one of the best staff members ever, ever, ever. And so uh, I I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is about, but I I, I think the Chinese are hardworking folks. I think they're very smart. Um, I hope these aren't foreign exchange students, if if, if this is what what you're talking about, mm. because I think that would be probably not a good idea. But uh, if they're if they're American citizens and they're and they happen to be of Chinese descent, then they have just as much right as anyone else has. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And nothing against nothing against mm. um, people. No, that, I, I, uh, understand. I understand. Part of this, guy. but but it just it appears that. It's it's much more than that, and I understand they're hardworking, they're very intelligent, but if if this country is legitimately concerned about what's going on in China, just to yeah. to take a lot of students from their country and educate them over here, when when students from our sure. country could, could be taking those spots, sure, sure. No, I, I, mean, I get what you're saying, Craig, and I'm going to yeah. drill down and see if I can get some some detailed information for you. Listen, I'm going to put you on hold. Matt's going to take your information so you can get your Between Rounds Bagel uh, certificate. Thank you so much. Congratulations, and appreciate your call. Uh, call uh, anytime. Thank you. All right, guys, that's it. Show's done. We're out of time. Uh, thanks, Matt. Great job. Uh, thanks, Steve Bucci. We're, have a great day today. Enjoy the weather, and I uh, love you guys. God bless you. I'll see you tomorrow morning. 
Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.